I really thank God for mothers. And it's so interesting because when, when we think Mother's Day, it, I don't know why we're so wired this way. But immediately we think of maybe how we were affected by mothers. And I'm going to kind of share some things this morning about leaving a legacy of faith for your children. And look, if you're a man, my God, more for you. But we need to be people of faith and people of legacy. Um, kids are hilarious. Being a mom is a crazy job. I could never do what my wife does. I want to, James Dobson one time told a story of a mom that was sick in bed. And she had the flu and her little daughter wanted so much to be a good nurse. So she brought her mom a little extra pillow, brought her a magazine to read, and then she even showed up with a surprise cup of tea. And her mom took a sip of the tea, and she said, wow, I didn't even know you know how to make tea. And the girl said, oh, yes, Mommy, I learned by watching you. I put some water in the pot, and then I put the tea leaves in, and I boiled the water, and then I strained it into a cup. But I couldn't find the strainer, so I used the fly swatter instead. <laughs> and her mother said, you What? And the girl said, oh, don't worry, Mom. I didn't use the new fly swatter. I used the old one. <laughs> Look, if you're a mom or you're going to be a mom, you're going to relate to stories like these. You'll laugh about it now, probably not when it was happening. But being a mom's not easy. I heard a woman tell me one time that before she got married, she had three theories about raising children. And uh, now that she has three children, she has no theories. <laughs> Look, there's, there's no way, there's no way to write a manual on parenting. Um, you know, biblical values always. But, you know, each child is different. But, you know, if you're a mom here, we honor you, we love you, and we thank God for you. Can we give hands to all the moms in the room, please? And you're all going to get... If, you, if you're basically a woman here from, what is it, like 18 and up, I think you're all getting amazing, amazing gift from the church today. But before you get there, let's, let's touch base on a few things. Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy 3.5. You know, the Bible says when it comes to life, training up children, whatever it is that we're believing God for, you know, there's a scripture that says train up a child the way they should go. And when they're older, they won't depart from it. You know, but one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest uh, tragedies is the fact that so many Christians don't know what the way is. That, you know, it's easy to say, well, we train up a child. And, oh, what does that mean? Just bring them to church attendance? You've missed it. What does that mean? Just teach them a Sunday school song? No, that's not what it is. There's a way to go in life. There's a set of values to follow. You know, and, and, and look, none of us are going to hit the mark every time. But at least we know what we're aiming for. You know, the, uh, it's that old saying that, you know, uh, shoot for the moon, settle for the stars, right? You, you, you know, aim for perfection, but we settle for excellence. No matter what, we got to make sure that our goal is intact and in line. And I love 2 Timothy. Look, here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a book written. Uh, Paul is writing a man, you know, young man named Timothy, a pastor. He's writing him, and I love this book. When I got into the ministry, I basically memorized this book. And Paul is, is, is had not yet met Timothy. Put this in context. He's writing a, a man that he has heard about, that he has very close acquaintances with, and he's telling him things. And, and there's a verse snuck in here 
in 2 Timothy 3, verse 5, that he says this. Um, nope, 2 Timothy, hold on. Verse 14. But you, he's telling Timothy, must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make uh, you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so it, it's so important to realize that, that Paul's writing Timothy and he says, listen, these things were instilled in you, these values were in you, and he says it's important to understand whom they came from. Like, like we hand down, uh, uh, faith is handed down, values are always transferred, right? In family, you know, you pick up weird little niches. You love Miracle Whip, or you don't use this, or your mom did it this way, or, you know, this is my recipe, and, and you know, you know, my mom would do weird things like throw salt over her shoulder because she was this full-blooded Italian that thought that was the blessing. I mean, she's nuts, you know what I mean? Everybody hands these things down, and there's all these weird things. But Paul was like, look, you know the truth. You've been instilled this, the, these principles, these values, and don't forget where they came from. In an ideal situation, which I realize most of the time is not ideal, in an ideal situation, you need somebody, to, whatever it is, whether it's a mentor or a spiritual mom or a mom-to-be or your real mom or your grandmother or somebody else, there's got to be people in your life that are helping instill those values. Because, what, look, bondage transfers really well. Faith, not so much. You need to work on that. Because this world's language is lack. This world's language is, is barren. And Paul's like, man, I'm excited to meet you. And I want you to remember where, where you got this, this in you. And he would say, in sec, if you go back to 2 Timothy 1.5, and many of you heard this verse. 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul's starting out this letter. And he says, I thank God for whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did. Without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. He immediately starts out with legacy, forefathers, greatly desiring to see you. He wants to meet Timothy. I'm being mindful, Timothy, of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When, um, and, and when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which was dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, in, in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded, although I haven't met you, Timothy, I'm persuaded it's also inside of you. So Paul starts off this letter and he goes, listen, I can't wait to meet you, but I know your, your, your pedigree. I know that where you came from, you got a praying grandmother, you got a mother that's standing in faith, and I'm just, I'm just going to all of a sudden believe because I know that is also going to be inside of you. He said faith, I I a pure conscience. I call to remembrance, verse 5, the genuine what? Faith. Being, being any role in life, mom's, dad, whatever it is, you know, we are persuaded for so many things to, to, to do, right? It's like, a, you know, what schooling are the kids going to? Or what, how is I going to raise this? Or what am I going to do here? Or, you know, uh, what's the bedtime going to be? And it's important to understand that, that we allow faith 
I'm telling you, faith is the greatest thing you can ever pass down to your children or to your friends or to be someone known as. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think Marlene is here. Is she here? Oh, she's in the home. Oh, you're hiding in the back there. Hello. You know, we did this thing with the women, you know, and it's like we, we had all these, you know, moms come up, grandmothers come up, all these people that have a little legacy of faith. And we were asking them questions. And, and you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's women, right? So there's probably a million words being spoken. You guys, like, talk amongst each other all day long. There's no way to get a record of the meeting. But my wife got in the car and she said something really struck me when we had our meeting. And they had Marlene and others get up and were answering questions. And somebody basically asked a question. Uh, it was kind of weird at first. I think it was positioned, but then just clarified, basically saying, looking back is, at being a mom. Now, you know, Marlena is, is, is a mom. She's a grandmother. Looking back at being a mom, they said to her, what is something that you did right? What is one of your greatest strengths? And, and let me tell you something. The answer that came out was the most unorthodox thing. Marlena's answer was, so we're asking her, what is something that you did right? What was your greatest strength? Here's what she said. Being an example of loving Jesus. Uh, she wins. We're not saved. You can ask any woman on the planet that question. And you know what they're going to tell you? Something on what they did for their children. Something on how they protected or how they governed or how I took care of her. Or, you know, I always made sure the diapers were there. Or, I, you know, I was, uh, I was there at every ball game. You know, or, I, you know, I always did her hair with her. And I always made sure I, I was an example of loving Jesus. Let me tell you something. That's what legacy looks like. We are so caught up in ourselves. We're so caught up in what we have to do for someone. That's not who you are. That's what legacy does. Legacy says, I want to be an example of loving Jesus because if you learn to love him that way, we're going to be fine. Because if you can make the priority loving him, we're all going to, be, you're not going to lack anything in your life. That makes a godly person, period. Doesn't mean woman, man, don't matter. that makes a godly person. David said, you know, if there's one thing I ask in Psalm 27, right? He's in the middle of war. People are trying to kill him. Not really a fun time. And, and he just says, God, I'm asking for one thing. This is David, man. Father said he's a man after his own heart. And it's like, what do you want, David? What do you want? Do you want more ammo? Because I'll give it to you. Do you want more soldiers? Do you want more artillery? They're trying to kill you. Let's blast their face off. What is it you need from me? And he said, the one thing I ask is to see your face. What? <laughs> Who asked to see his face in the middle of war? Godly people. Because this world's trying to tell you, here's how you do it. Here's what the values are. There's no values. The value is loving Jesus. The value is being example of someone. And we all fall short. That's fine. But the example is to the best of God's grace in our life. We want to be that example. Because the things that are passed on are, are the unspoken things. It's the prayer. It's the devotion. It's, you know, every time things come up in our life and we have to make decisions. Kids watch, man. My, my kids, I, if, even if I don't try, they want to be like me. Even if I don't try. It's like, you, you, we have a lot of people helping us and serving us and a lot of staff and, you know, we're always busy. And the other day, people are at the house helping and, and I, my son's four. 
He looked at one of the staff members. He goes, oh, you need to come over here and help me do this. You forgot something. I was like, oh, Lord, that's embarrassing. And then he's like, can you come over here and do this when you're done with that? I had to pull him aside. I said, Isaac, we don't talk to people like that. Well, you do. I said, yeah, but you're not me, okay? <laughs> that's a long conversation for when you get older, but he doesn't get it. And he doesn't mean ill will. They're just going to do what they see you do. It's their natural gut. And that, I mean, it seems so mean and bossy coming from him. But from a pastor that has, you know, interns and staff, it's, it's absolutely appropriate. But he doesn't get that he doesn't have that. So I had to go and apologize. Of course, the ladies are great. They laugh at him. But I'm like, it's not appropriate. He's not allowed to do this. Why? He's just doing what he sees me do. If my son puts a pillow under his shirt and says, look, Daddy, I have a belly like you, that's not fun. Do you understand? I'm like, no, we, no, Isaac, I want your belly. Do you know what I'm saying? You can't, don't look at me. There are, there are times in life that you're like, okay, son, I got to change. You know what I mean? You don't want a belly. Bellies aren't fun. Don't worry about that. This, Daddy's strong, but I wish I didn't have, you know what I mean? He's four. But I'll tell you what, as parents, as leaders, as men, as coworkers, whatever it is, we have to be conscious of what we're passing down to them. We have to be conscious that at every moment we're an example. An example is something that's unspoken. Example is something that if I lined up all of Marlena's kids and grandkids, they probably wouldn't have said that. They would have said other beautiful things. But it's the unspoken things in life that end up translating through generations. And I'm telling you, the way we respond to conflict, the way we open our mouths, it's all building a legacy of faith. And we live in a day where, you know, some people don't know how to love. Or, or, or we live in a day where, you know, we think if, we just, if I can just do this, then I've been a good parent. If I can leave my house, if I can, you know, get an education form, if I can somehow just provide something for them or pay for their wedding, then I'm a good mom. Or if I can just make sure that, you know, they, they never are homeless, then I've done a good job. Or it's like, you're missing it all. Because faith, having a prosperous soul, which we've been talking about, is unspoken. It can't be seen on an x-ray. It's something that is, that is quiet confidence that will transform life. And we are so desperate to get it right. But many times we're, what we're working after is not even what he wants you to do. You're not going to get to heaven and God be like, man, congratulations. Your kid went to bed at 8 o'clock every single night. You did good. Such discipline that you've had. You're not getting a trophy for that in heaven. Is it important? Sure. You ain't putting my kid to bed at 8. He's never home, okay? He... He'll fall asleep wherever plane seat he's on. But yes, all those things are important, of course. Don't be weird. But the most important thing is our peace. It's our faith. It's what, it's what we translate down, the, the, the peace and struggle. You know, I want my son to know how to handle conflict um, properly. Meaning, I don't mean like somebody attacking him. I mean like issues of life. If the bills aren't paid, how are you responding? If someone needs healing in their body, what do you do? If, if, you know, if things don't go your way in life, how do you hold on and believe? How do you pray through breakthrough? How do you not? Do you understand? Because so many of those things are passed down. It's like 
I guess an STD is the worst example. But it would be like the opposite. You know what I mean? It, it's passed down to your kids. I was trying to think of something you could pass down that they, you know, that's like infected. But, huh? No, it's not genes. It's it's un, it's spiritual. It's it's like that though. Like it's not a disease, but it's a, it, it it's almost like a you 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 have to have it because I had it. It's yours. I'm passing it down. It's unspoken. It's it's in them. You can make healthy decisions. You can live a godly life. And many times, if you stand for that, it's going to be contrary to the world system. And even crazier to believe, it's going to be contrary to a church world system. Because our idea of relationship with God is like lost. We think we attending church is enough. We think just listening to a message makes us in. It doesn't even start to make you in. I, w- I, want, I want to hear how you hold on to God's promises when, when there's no one around. And when it's time to stand on his word and break through for your family. And, you know, when you're, at, when you're on, on, you know, the, the bed in a hospital of a family member, how do, you, how do you hold on and declare faith? There's two things I want to tell moms this morning and pretty much everybody in the room. And they're going to go along with your little treat at the end. It'll be like a prophetic gift so you won't forget this message. The first thing I want to tell you is to stay sweet. Don't lose your peace. John 14, um, Jesus is talking about peace. John 14, 27. Says, peace I leave you. Um. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but what I give to you. Let, let, your heart, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You can't lose your peace. You know, it's like some of you were born with such a sweet spirit. And then, you know, I, I had a ministry friend of mine. Man, this girl is powerful. She is, I got to be careful. I mean, she could lead a whole stadium in worship, you know. Man, I, you know, I'm always talking to people, and a long time ago, I'm just, and I said, you know something? She's amazing. All of you know her. You probably buy her little albums and watch her on TV. I said, man, you've lost that sweetness. You used to be beautiful inside, and you used to be, like, always smiling. And now you're manufactured. You guys wouldn't see it. You just, eh, it's all a show. I said, you've lost it, man. You've allowed your sweetness to go because of life. And this woman, she's leading stadiums, please. I mean, she's leading stadiums around the world, and you think she's at the high of her life, and she's winning Dove Awards and all these things, and she just says to me, I can't even be myself when I have a 19-minute set and clocks and people scream in my ear, I'll get in trouble. She sold herself out so, so people, whatever. Let me tell you something, forget that. Most of you sold yourself out to one issue in your life. Most of you sold yourself out one mom issue in your life, and you was bitter, and it's all over your face. You're not sweet anymore. You've allowed life to wear you out to where you show it everywhere you go. Jesus said, I'm giving you peace that the world can't give. They can't get this peace. It's only available for you. That's why the Bible says things like, press, not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, struck down, but yet... Because you're fine. You're going to be all right. 
But if you just if you're just wearing if your life is just reflecting what has been done to you in your life, it's not gonna happen. I, I call you the forever victim. Right? Forever victim. Hey, you wanna go to Chili's? No, I was here one day and a guy threw a bowl at my head and Hey man, do you want you want to go walk in the park? No, my friend got re- you know got attacked in the park. And hey, do you want to go to New York City? No, my dad went one time and got hit by a car. And one and, and my mom, one of the horses in Times Square trampled my sister, and she's alive. Listen to me, you can't even get over life. And then come Mother's Day, you're so selfish you can't even celebrate Jesus in your life because you upset what somebody didn't do for you. You're a forever victim. You know something's intense when the kids are the loudest ones in the room. Let me tell you something. I have, I could build a case to hate my mother's guts for life and to just put dynamite under Branford Manor's house where she lived. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't, if I thought like some of you, I would hate my life. I would hate my life. Why did you do this to me? Why was I, the first two years of my life, I was raised in a battered women's shelter. My name was changed at five years old, never had this. Now, I'm not even going to tell you half my story because you know my mother, and I love this woman. Just got her a car the other day. Thank God. But my point is I have every reason to get upset because love wasn't shown, because she didn't know love, because she went, I was, everything that she struggled with got passed down and, you know, not being provided for and all these things because of her issues. But at some place in my life, I've got to learn to love those that were unlovely, and I learned to honor her life. Even Jesus getting beaten down said, forgive them because they don't know. So I've had to look at my mother and say, you just didn't know. I'll give you the world. You just didn't know. You're blessed because you birthed me. Come on now. You just didn't know. But if I thought the way half of you thought, I'd hate my whole life. I'd look around and the devil's waiting at every juncture of my life to say, look how bad this was, look how bad this was, look how bad this, just to buy into death. Do you know how many spiritual moms I have in my life? My fingers were sore this morning. My fingers were sore from all the amazing godly women in my life. That, you know, it, it, starting with Mama Georgiana, which her gifts in, the, in, 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 in my office, all these, but I mean women of God around the world, Pastor Adonica and Pastor Candace and these women that, have, that brought me in and it was like, I can't say enough for you because you're an example to the world. Pastor Adonica, they lost their daughter at 18 years old on Christmas Day. This woman held her children as they died. And then they do a service to try to raise her up. Let me tell you something. I honor that woman. You're so angry at what you didn't get in life. You've lost your sweetness. You've lost it. You're so bitter. You compare to everybody else's family. You've lost it. That's not peace. Who cares about everybody else's family? You know what I realized? At one point in my life, it was like, bro, I'm now responsible for what goes on on my shift. 
I'm old enough to make a decision. I'm old enough to pay a bill. And I'm old enough to say, this isn't who I am. I'm going to make a difference for my generation. I'm going to make a legacy moment. I'm going to make sure I'm a father and a husband and a pastor. And my wife's going to be the mom that we all never had. There's a legacy moment. Your life isn't just the sum total of what has been happening to you. You're a forever victim. You know why you need to forgive people? Forgiveness has nothing to do with somebody else. Has nothing to do with it. I, had, I, I, I never knew my father. I never, my biological father never really knew. He was just a monster. He killed people. He was on the front page of the New London Day for murdering people. He smashed my mother's face in five different ways, sliced all her knuckles. Just, I mean, he was an absolute, to the point that when he died, and I tried to call his mom, she was like, don't ever talk to me. We're all glad that he's dead. He was a monster. My real dad. I didn't choose this dude. That's all. I'm thinking if that's all you were on this earth for is to bring me out, then thank God I was the only kid. A monster. And I met him one time for 24 hours when I was 19 because I didn't know anything what he looked like. I was just dying to know. And he was sure enough a monster. And he said all these horrible things. And I, like, would dream about killing him. I mean, you know, it's like he, he just ruined my whole family. And the Lord said, forgive him. And I said, he, not, he would never ask for forgiveness. He's glad he did those things to my family. And the Lord said, no, forgive him for you, not him. Forget, you need to tell him, I forgive you, even if he'll never ask, because you need to be free. I walked up to this monster. He's like six foot eight. He's massive. I said, let me tell you something, bro. I know you're, listen, I was supposed to be here for three days. I'm leaving after 24 hours, and I'm okay that I never see you again, but I need to tell you something. I forgive you for everything. I forgive you for what you did to my mother. I forgive you for abusing my brother to the point where he's crazy. I forgive you for everything you've done to my family because Christ forgave me. Guess what happens? More will be the children of the desolate woman than the children that has children, the woman. That's what faith does. He takes an area that seems so wrong, and I'll never be, and he gives me, please. I could write a book on fathering, and, and I've never had one because of God's healing in my life. I'm, I'm not awkward with men in my life. I receive fathers. I, man, I was on the phone 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning with all Pastor Ronnie, everybody you can imagine. Just, I love these men. They're heroes to me, but I wouldn't be able to receive them if I didn't let go of what's been done. And you've got to get your sweetness back. You've got to stop being sour-faced on everything that's ever happened to you. Because I'm telling you something, that from this point forward, it's on you. From this point forward, it's on you. You've got to make a difference in your life. It's, listen to me. Well, what have people been really attacked? The welcome to life. Come on. This is the world we live in. We live in a world. I remember a woman came here one time. She had nine abortions. And she said, well, God's, God's touched me, healed me. Um, and she would, but she couldn't talk about it. She couldn't look me in the face. She couldn't have her head high. I said, you've not been healed. I said, the minute you actually receive forgiveness... You can lift your head up high and be bold about what you've been through and allow others to get set free. And it did happen, which was beautiful. But look, this is the world we live in. Stop being weird. People are attacked. They're abused. They're, they're victimized. They're traumatized. You, broken homes are everywhere around us. Come on, man. Look, I guarantee you every single one of your lives are jacked up somewhere in your whacked out family. I can promise you this. Because you're here. Do you understand me? 
because you're here. Control your crazy, guys. Make a decision that the buck stops with you. Make a decision that you're going to leave a legacy. You're going to make a difference. You're going to leave an impact on this generation. Look, if you just showed up for a rose and a Starbucks card, you can go next door. This ain't, please. Y'all are tripping out over here, man. I need, I need real women of faith to rise up. I mean real women of faith. I need legacy women to rise up in this region that can stand on God's promises and declare his word and pray down strongholds and stand on. Man, that's what we need in this, in this, in this generation. So the first thing you need to do is, is, is not lose your sweetness. You have to stay sweet. Don't lose your peace. And the second thing I need you to do is mirror Jesus. Do I think there's a place where women can be put under, what do they call it, sexism? Do I think there's a place? Yes. I do think there are people that are weird, that look at women differently. Uh, there's a business owner locally that I deal with, and she's a powerhouse. And I see it in her line of work. I see people treat her differently and try to intimidate her from being a wife and this stuff. But I also think that you can wear it on yourself. And you can buy into it and somehow just act like you're lesser than everybody else when none of it's true. We must mirror Jesus. Second Corinthians, I love this scripture. You can write it down. Second Corinthians 3 verse 18 says basically like a mirror, but we all with unveiled face beholding in a mirror the very glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just by the spirit of the Lord. The great awakening was, as you know, I love revival history. I mean, we could talk about it all day long. Love the history of this building. Love the history of the church, the region. You know, this is one of the, the most spiritually um, um, spiritually rich places in the whole world. I said world. I've been to most nations. Everywhere I go around the world, they look back on what God did here, and they're so stirred by it. And I'm telling you, it's an appetizer compared to what I believe is coming. But there weren't a lot of documents. There weren't a lot of understanding. It's not like today, my God, today, you, we, you give me too much information about you. There weren't a lot of understanding. There wasn't a lot. So when we were trying to write history books and put it all together, there's so, so little really known about that era. And, and, and one of the most prolific things that have come out about the Great Awakening, one of the greatest um, windows of insight that have ever happened, you know, when we're talking about from the Great Awakening through the Revolutionary War, I mean, this is like the founding of America is a book that I promise you've never even heard of. It has transformed my life in the years past. And the book is called The, the World of Hannah Heaton, The Diary of an 18th Century New England Farm Woman. This woman gets off, gets off the boat in New Haven. She's a farm woman. She's married to an unbeliever. And God doesn't even, he tolerates her relationship with the Lord, but he's not a Christian. And she gets into one of these meetings and God wrecks her, man. 
she gives her life to the Lord and she doesn't have an influence, she doesn't have much, she has three kids I think and she's all in turmoil running the house, I mean it's like there's, there's maybe a few women in here that's that old school, you know you make the lunch, they, they don't do that anymore please, I'm making my own lunch for life, come on now but this woman had all her responsibilities, everything she had to face, and being a woman, which today, you know, it's a smaller issue, but then it was a big issue. And she didn't know what to do, and she didn't know how to hand down a legacy, and she had such a communion with the Lord. Satan walked in her room one time in a vision trying to kill her, and she rebuked him, and he ran. And she would have these experiences. She would be taken out of her body and see things, and God would speak to her. And every time he said it, it would happen. She's a woman hiding in a farm. And she starts writing down everything that happened to her. And she said, no one's going to hear me now and no one will believe me now. But one day, I, all she wanted to do was write down her life for her kids. That was it. She had nothing to give them. She didn't have any influence, no power, nothing. She was a farm woman that just did what she was told. Her husband tolerated her walk with the Lord, but it was deep. And she wrote, and she wrote this volume, this diary, which professors around the world use it as one of the main documents to get a glimpse of what life was really like during awakening. And when she died, they didn't even know she had the journal. They found volumes and volumes of her feelings, and her husband would abuse her, and she'd forgive him and write down thin promises the Lord said would happen in all these prophecies. And when she died, they found it. And they were like, whoa. This woman is powerful. And she wrote promises to her children, praying over them, weeping over them at night. And all the things she said over her kids, every single one came to pass. It was like her prayers and her words created them. husband didn't even agree with her fanaticism and long after she died that book has been transforming lives because women want to use an excuse sometimes man there's no excuse you have the same access to heaven as everybody else if anything you can have it greater you're a mother there's more that you're called to do but you can't lose your sweetness we're always wondering well I, if i only had this and if only god did this and i'm single and i don't have and I don't have any kid. My mother was horrible. And, and we're so concerned about every area we don't have control over. And this woman named Hannah Heaton that got touched by the Great Awakening would just pen everything. Standing on God's promises. Believing that God will transform her family just like she was touched. The revolutionary war is going on, creating our country. And she's prophesying about our nation. And how we, we've got to overcome because the history of America and the freedom that's going to come through Christ will be known as the greatest nation. And it's like, what? A farm woman in North Haven, Connecticut? You have no excuse. None. You have no excuse. You need to be sweet again. You need to believe again. Stop waiting for somebody to open a door for you. If you touch heaven, generations will receive from you long after you die.
Don't stop worrying about somebody liking you on Facebook or trying to be noticed in the flesh. Get noticed in heaven. That's more important. Get noticed by the heart of God. That's more important. I, man, I, I long, I wish when I get to heaven, I want to sit with this woman. I want to sit with this woman. Because she is, she is embodying everything we need to be in life. Somebody that is so deep with Jesus that it's all that matters. It's a rare breed, man. It's sad. It's a rare breed. It's a rare breed. We don't see love anymore, man. I remember I got saved and my buddy had a had an old praying black woman, man. Man, I wish I was in this family. And she, she would hide off in a room in Montauk Avenue in London. And she, she would pray like all day long. And she invited me to come pray with her one time. And we're both laying prostrate in this closet as she's crying out to God. And I would go there all the time. It was like, I would go there like four or five times a week. This woman was blessed. She would tell me about things that happened to her in her life and her family. And, and she, man, she'd been through hell, this woman. Actually, it was Rashawn's grandmother, beyond Pastor Sean's grandmother. I've never met anybody like this woman, man. At least the time I was in her life, she was so sweet. And she would tell me the things she went through, man, and the men that put guns to her head and did all the, I mean, and she lost none of her peace. And she'd say, oh, Jamie, God is going to move in your life. Nobody was telling me this at this time. You just watch what God does with you. I'd wake, I'd get my head up off the floor after we'd both been crying. She, she just starts prophesying over me. I wish this woman was here to preach, but that's not her deal but she changed for my family that family's full of preachers that family's full of and I mean the craziest situation like nuts that's legacy you want you want to transfer a 401k I want to transfer faith you want to transfer a bedtime I want to transfer faith transfer it all but let faith be the number one thing that we give as a legacy if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're going to be a mom-to-be, if you're not, it doesn't matter who you are. Men, women alike, you must leave a legacy of faith. That is the most important thing you can leave your family. And I mean real faith. I'm not talking about church attendance faith. I mean faith. I mean you walking out of here holding on to God's promises, believing for breakthrough, knowing that God can do all things, that he can turn tragedy to triumph, that he can take something that seems crazy and make it beautiful. We talk to people all the time, and it's like, it's so funny to me, man, because I, I run into people that knew me, you know, from the area, and it's like, you'd think it would be the hardest thing for me to do, and absolutely not. Because if you even try to talk to me about my life, I got a phone call from someone when I was in Alabama that lives in the area. They went to high school with me. I don't even remember who, I dropped out of Grasso Tech in ninth grade. Do you understand me? I don't even remember who it was. And this guy was like, he just felt so burdened to talk to me. And he played basketball with us. And he's, I have no memory from that, from the day I got born again. And my pat from, I mean, I'm a two different person. And he, and he said to me, I've been so, I need to say this to you. And I said, what is it? And he goes, we were arguing. And, and one day on the basketball court, you and I were arguing with each other. And I took the ball and chucked it at you. And they 
broke us up and all that. And he goes, the Lord convicted me when I saw what had happened to your life because I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and I knew better. And I didn't have any idea who I was chucking that ball at. And I should have made a difference. If I could live and go back and change it, I would have I told you God had a plan for you. I respect that. I respect that. But I'll tell you what, it, it's amazing to me because I can run into people and they're like, they think they, when they look at me, they know me, they don't have a clue. I ran into a dude at Chester's yesterday. He, he, you don't even know how to have a conversation with me. Because, bro, the last time I ever talked to you, you don't even know who I am. And you have to turn your head away, scratch your head, because you're like, I don't even know how to explain. There is no explaining. There's no explaining. I buried religion. I want nothing to do with dead Christianity. You serve it every day of your life. I want nothing to do with it. And I gave everything. And I didn't blame anybody. I took all responsibility and said, from this forward is going to be legacy. From this forward is going to be breakthrough. And you don't lose your peace. Y'all are way too sweet, some of y'all, walking around bitter. You're beautiful. Act like it. Forgive. If they never ask for it, forgive. Come on now. If they never come to you, forgive. When you forgive, you become free. God wants you to be women of legacy. There are overcomers in this room, stories, testimonies that if I shared would blow your mind. Stay beautiful. Allow God to transform you in these days ahead. Don't worry about your husband. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Your faith isn't attached to him. Nobody cares. Most people are in situations where their husband might not be involved. Get over yourself. I want you to show me how beautiful you can be. Don't worry if you don't have a, a husband in your life. Stop it. You're beautiful. Be as beautiful as you can be, and it will attract godly men in your life. Come on. You, this is life that we got to believe for. Nothing's ideal. Do you understand me? Nothing. Nothing's ideal. Talking to this godly woman the other day, it's like a mom in my life, and I'm thinking in my head, if I only had you as a mom, can you, at first I'm thinking, can you imagine my wife tells our children every single day, you're going to be mighty on this earth. Can you imagine what I would have done? This was the way I was thinking. If someone had said that, and then I immediately got rebuked, and it was like, no, you weren't supposed to have that story. Your story was supposed to be one of overcoming and struggle and breaking through, because you're going to help others get through. How many times have I sat over a situation, and I'm like, bro, this, I was, this happened to me, this happened to me. These drugs, having a kid at 15, all these crazy things. And people look at me and they're like, that's not even who you are. Welcome to the testimony of Jesus. God wants that for you. Let's stand, we're gonna pray. We got these people standing at the doors with gifts that are making me nervous. <laughs> I'm hungry, did I go over time? Is that why everybody's looking at me weird? Yeah. It all gets awkward when the staff starts standing at the door. <laughs> Creeps. What in the world are they doing, man? I feel like I had TSA in the room or something. Making me nervous. I'm going to pray, but here's what I want you to know. Yeah, I see you, Teresa. <laughs> creeping out in the hallway. <laughs> I really love all of them. I'm just teasing you. I want you to stay sweet. 
can you hand me one of those things since you guys are back there scaring me? Oh, I got Teresa. Here's what I want to give. What was the age? 18 and up? Okay. If you're 18 years old and up, or if your birthday's 18 tomorrow, that's it. Don't matter who you are, woman, mom to be, doesn't matter if you're mom or not, this is for you. But there's two things we put here. One is a chocolate, because I want you to stay sweet. And the other is a mirror. Because I want you to mirror Jesus to your family, to everybody around you. I want you to have this as a prophetic reminder that you must keep your sweetness and that you must mirror Jesus everywhere you go. Amen. So, Father, I thank you this morning for touching every mom, mom-to-be, woman in this room, even dads alone. Guys, no matter who it is. God, we make a declaration this morning that we're going to live a life of a legacy, that we're going to stand on your promises, that this world is not going to affect us. We will infect this world. God, no matter what we've been through, what we do, it stops with us. We make a choice today to choose legacy. We make a choice today to choose faith. And we thank you, God, for breakthrough. Every mom, every woman representing God, I pray a blessing on all that they do, that they would not lose that sweetness to this generation. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand.